0: Hi, welcome to the Your Adrenal Fix podcast where we help exhausted and burnt out adults learn the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their health back quickly. My name is Dr. Joel Rosen and I've suffered with my own adrenal fatigue problem and now I've made it my mission to tell the truth about adrenal fatigue so that we can get to the root cause of your problem and really teach you how to put the puzzle pieces together so that you could tap into your hidden energy reserves and have all day energy. So this podcast is for anyone who's struggling for years or feeling overwhelmed and burnt out or you're just feeling stuck you're going to get cutting-edge information from all our different guests in different respected health fields to give you those important tidbits of information so that you can actually act on them and improve your health. Join us for our podcast. I know you will enjoy it.
1: All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of your Adrenal Fix podcast, where we teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about their health so that they can get their health back quickly. And today I'm really joined with an expert in the field, and it's a real pleasure. I told him I'm like a kid in the candy store today. I'm here with Gene Sean. Shen, who is a PhD, and he is the CEO and founder of Ginfinity Precision Medicine. Uh, they are a longevity biomarker company that is aiming to maximize your health span by testing biomarkers and yielding precision nutraceuticals that really focus on NAD and senescence testing around the, the global market. So, um, Dr. Gene, thank you so much for being here today.
2: It's my pleasure. Thank you very much.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I met you earlier. Yeah, I probably don't remember, but you were at the A4M meeting and I got my own NAD test result, which was very, very low. And um, it, it was a, a shocker, sort of smelling salt to see because I'm helping other people with their health. Um, but ultimately, I'm kind of curious. I always ask my guests a little bit about their background story. And I know you're in teaching and research. And you've been well known for your TEDDY study that basically screens hundreds of thousands of newborns for HLA, D, DRQ, uh, DR, and DQ. I'm curious, how, tell me maybe a little bit of how that transitioned into longevity and NAD.
2: Sure. So I have been in uh, academic research for almost four decades. And um, my research uh, has been covering a wide uh, range of topics, but most of my research uh, focused on childhood uh, diabetes or type one diabetes. And we were trying to identify the genetic and the environmental factors that cause uh, type one diabetes. And during my uh, studies, and um, I have developed uh, expertise in biomarkers and also therapeutics and that the knowledge and the experience uh, we gained through all the years can be applied to any diseases or conditions or biomedical questions you want to answer. And now about five years ago I went to a, a meeting and met a functional medicine doctor in Florida and we started talking about longevity and the biomarker testing, and why um, biomarker testing would be important to the whole field of uh, functional medicine and longevity in particular. So I I have an interest in uh, longevity now because you know I'm getting to an age where longevity becomes uh, important. Um, I needed to do something for myself um, because I don't want to be one of the people who are going to be not mobile or not uh, functional enough in their 50s and 60s or 70s. And if you look at the statistics, um, most of the age-related diseases uh, started occurring in the 50s and 60s and our lifespan is majorly reduced by the development of these chronic age-related diseases. So if we can come up with ways to prevent uh, these conditions, we should be able to extend the people's lifespan, or at least health span, by a decade, two decades, and even three decades. So that's why my You know, my interest has very kind of suddenly and rapidly turned from a childhood disease to uh, an Asian-related problem. And I'm very happy that I made this switch because uh, I think I'm able to help myself, help my family, my friends, and also help the whole community. And this is a very, very exciting time.
1: Sure. It's exciting to hear your background. Thank you for sharing. I would also add that when you isolate a really great predictor and assessment of the biological age and the chronological age via NAD, specifically intracellular NAD, then the type 1 diabetic children would stand to benefit with everything that you're going to be doing to support the environmental and the boosting of intracellular NAD would still not only help with longevity and health span and aging well, but for sick people to heal quicker as well. Is that, is that a correct statement?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we, we have we looked at um, a few dozens of different biomarkers um, three, four years ago to come up with uh, a dozen, maybe at most two dozen biomarkers that are most relevant to health performance and longevity. And what came up at the very top is actually NAD. And as you know, that makes sense because NAD is a coenzyme that's important for the function of over 400 other enzymes. Without NAD, all these enzymes wouldn't function at all. So if these processes don't function, then we don't have health. We even don't have life. So NAD is not only important for uh, aging related diseases, it's also uh, important for pretty much all cellular functions and for health and was important for almost all major diseases, and we have indeed found NAD deficiency in people with many different uh, diseases.
1: Right. It's, so we could say it's a very sensitive marker that will predict whether or not your you're heading in a, in a good trajectory or not, or maybe you're already in a challenge and you're not aware of it. And it's really good to, to be aware of what you have that you don't realize that you have because it makes you take more accountability for your health because you could see it in black and white. So I I, I, guess, I guess the question is, now that you have the ability to measure the intracellular NAD, maybe tell our listeners why that was a problem in the past or what the difference between circulating NAD and intracellular NAD is and how you were able to come up with testing it.
2: Sure. Um, so NAD, like many other molecules, are usually located inside of the cells. But a part, a fraction of them can be secreted or released from inside of the cells into the outside space. And and then they got into uh, the blood circulation. So that's why I call the NAD in the liquid part of the blood, that we call plasma, uh, a circulating NAD. Because the blood circulates all over the body and NAD also circulates all over the body. And that, that's going to be very important probably in the later part of our discussion um, because circulating NAD has very different functions uh, as opposed to intracellular NAD. Now, when most people talk about the functions of NAD, they are Actually, referring to NAD inside of the cells. Very few people, maybe no one except me, <laughs> has been talking about circulating NAD or making a difference between circulating NAD and the intracellular in NAD. And, you know, I, I can continue and, and it, it, to talk about it and then how each of them function. or are uh, waiting for your question. No, I,
1: please continue. I think it's important. I'll just make a distinction for the listener that there's a definitely a difference when you say NAD and how it's such an important factor for longevity and aging and actually measuring the usable intracellular different function versus the circulating. And I would say that it is true with a lot of different nutrients and chemicals and compounds that, if it's intracellular or extracellular, because just cause it's there doesn't mean it's inside metabolically, proteomically changing the cellular activity. So maybe with that, please continue in terms of distinguishing the two.
2: Sure. I, I will start by talking uh, about the function of circulating NAD, because uh, NAD IV infusion has been becoming very popular. In even in the general public, especially in the longevity and awareness community. Now, as you know, NAD uh, has been very successfully used to treat various conditions, uh, including um, neurological conditions, dementia, Parkinson's disease, even Alzheimer's disease. And um, it's also a very good treatment uh, uh, for addiction, including, you know, opioid uh, addiction. And, you know, success is quite good. It, it has also been used to treat uh, autism, and it has been used to treat Lyme disease, all with, you know, very good uh, success uh, successful stories. And although there are no uh, clinical trials, you know double blinding is the very vigorous research design Uh, but the clinical evidence for for the um, benefit from nadiv i think is undoubtful Uh, however uh, a a lot of people start using nadiv as the treatment for longevity and for performances and i'm i'm very sorry to report that NAD-IV is actually not really the best uh, modernity uh, to increase interest on the NAD and that has been uh, surprising to many people and i wouldn't say uh, It really surprised me um, because of various reasons, and I can go into those reasons, but the bottom line is, we now have quite extensive data uh, to demonstrate that NAD IV does not increase intracellular NAD at least in the vast majority of customers. And Then, you know, you beg the question, why you see the clinical evidence? I don't see a increase in intracellular in NAD. How do we reconcile these two uh, observations? And I think that we can explain the observations because NAD is actually a neurotransmitter. Very few people think about it, know about it, or talk about it, um, they are receptors for NAD on neuronal cells and on immunological cells, immune cells. So that's why, and it's partly why NAD-IV um, works quite well for treating the uh, symptoms that I, I talked about. Um, because they either serve as a neurotransmitter, it changes how the the neuronal network is war wild, 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 uh, activated, so that's, I think that's. So it's the circulating NAD or the, or the NAD outside of the cells that as a ligand or uh, neurotransmitter, and that really gives the patients the benefit for NIMS disease, even COVID patients. Okay, a COVID patients or non-COVID patients are getting benefits from NAD uh, IV. Uh, again. That's probably through uh 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 NAD as a ligand and it ch- uh changes the immune response. So NAD actually is a very potent anti-inflammatory compound. So so you you can explain why NAD doesn't get inside of the cells, boost your intracellular in NAD, but still getting all the benefits. So I'm talking about that because I want physicians. As well as customers, patients, to understand that if you use the the, the same uh, a similar treatment with similar compound uh, for the right indications, you're going to get great benefit. But if you use it for the wrong purpose, you're not going to get the benefit that you you want. So it really depends on what's the purpose uh, with the therapy. You shouldn't chose the right approach. And uh, you know, for performance, for longevity, <clears throat> you really have to boost your interest in the NAD because NAD is important for energy production. I think we're probably going to talk about it and why it's important. Um, and a lot of people complain that you know, they get tired and they, are, they don't perform uh, at their peak. And NAD is really at play And unless primarily because of intracellular NAD. So you really want to, you know, bounce your intracellular NAD to the optimum level to regain the peak performance in your, you know, 20s, maybe 30s, right? So, um, choosing the right approach for the right purposes is extremely important. And I have started to, you know, Uh, make people aware of this and I think uh, uh, this is important and we need to get the message uh, across. course.
1: Yeah no thank you for sharing your information so from what I take out of that I was going to ask you well what accounts for the therapeutic benefits extracellularly and it acts as a neurotransmitter and there's a lot of therapeutic benefit for that but then at the same time understand that don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and say well nad in ivs didn't work for me because i expected it to help this or that because it doesn't show clinically that it's going to boost the intracellular levels which we'll get into in terms of not just performance enhancement and longevity uh, and health span, but I'm sure a whole host of other major metabolic functions that will improve the extracellular effect
2: even further as well. Is is that correct? Uh, absolutely. And so with a lot of the, uh, when we can boost intracellular energy, you, you are going to get a host of uh, benefits. And then, you know, we can go through it and, you know, one by one, you mentioned the uh, quite a few of these, you know, it improves energy, it, improves, uh, it protects your DNA uh, from uh, being damaged by oxidative stress and, and, and other things. And it also helps people sleep, especially deep sleep, because NAD actually regulates the genes uh, in, involved in uh, controlling sleep. And we also have a lot of evidence. Uh, that uh, boosting NAD can improve insulin resistance, uh, insulin sensitivity. And that's primarily through, I believe, reduction of triglycerides. And it can also reduce uh, some uh, liver enzymes like uh, ALT. Um, so th- I think we're going to discover uh, new functions and we continue to discover new benefits you know, constantly. And this is such an important molecule that uh, uh, we, we can really develop uh, a lot of, uh, you know, treatment uh, options for different uh, patients or just to improve people's uh, overall health.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure you're aware of the statistics where Over 88% of Americans are metabolically unhealthy, and I really look at the way to explain that is they're just not respiring at the cellular level effectively to use oxygen and the food to produce ATP and water, and as a result, they are burning uh, I guess they're burning uh, leaves and Kindle and they're not actually igniting the the log, if you will. I'm curious just to know before you were able to stabilize because you were saying no one really tests intracellular NAD. Was it not known that or was just assumed up until that time that um, that IV NAD does must boost intracellular and then through actually uh isolating the intracellular NAD and then retrospectively seeing if they were doing IV shots that it didn't improve the level? How did you come to learn that, oh, actually it doesn't boost intracellular
2: NAD? Well, so, you know, before we got involved and people were not really making a difference, uh, a distinction between uh, intracellular NAD and, and certain NAD. And because it's very, very hard uh, to measure, especially circulating NAD. And the, the levels are very low, and, and the, the NAD in the, in, in the plasma is very unstable. And you, you have a lot of enzymes that can degrade uh, uh, NAD, uh, the NAD molecule especially CD38, so, so if you are not careful, if you don't have the right sample processing strategy, uh, you're not going to be able to measure uh, circulating NAD. Okay, very, very few people you know, uh, were able to measure circulating NAD. And so we, we kind of stumbled onto it and I never Question that uh, IB wouldn't be able to um, boost the interest on in the NED, and we learned it by by data. You know, I'm I'm a data scientist. I I have my own opinions, theories uh, about you know a lot of things. Um, but I'm at the end, what I believe is not what I used to think. I let the data to guide me and to make a decision for me. And, you know, I have done a lot of different things, but the one thing that I am proud of myself is the ability to look at the data and look at data from a global view and, and, and from a, a very truthful uh, view. And I don't want, to, want my opinion to bias the data. And I, I think, unfortunately, that's not uh, always true, even among scientists. I mean, I'm, I'm a scientist, I'm afraid to, to say, uh, say that. Either they, they, they don't understand the data fully, or they are kind of biased by their own opinions. You know, either funding, either, one, either funding. one is good, right? Yeah. Yes. It's right. a force that you really have to avoid. So, so I just look at the data, and the data that we have from clinical trials that we have done, and from custom data, all indicate that nad IV does not boost the intracellular NAD. There's no doubt about it. And it's black and white. It's even not questionable. It's, there's no doubt that right. if you want, want to increase your intracellular NAD, you've got to use uh, 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 a different uh, approach, not, not through IV.
1: Right. Okay. So and to so basically it was very difficult to be able to stabilize whether it's circulating NAD or intracellular NAD. And when you stumbled upon the ability to isolate intracellular NAD, you also know from a scientific point of view there's going to be circulating in the blood and it's going to be inside inside the cell. And through research and through data and through inferences we know without a shadow of a doubt that giving interest uh um giving ivs with nad doesn't impact the intracellular nad that i'm able to test for so i guess the two question part is how were you able to isolate it and then number two what actually boosts intracellular nad
2: great question so um so the measurement is very simple Um. Well, I should say, very simple for intracellular NAD, um, a little more difficult for circulating NAD, um, and that, that's why we, we, we don't do a lot of circulating NAD tests because it's more expensive and requires shipping in a in a container with cold pack, and it becomes logistically uh, more difficult. Uh we, we can we can we can do it, and um, with, with intracellular NAD. We basically do a fingerprint and you get a drop of blood onto a, a blood card that's used for newborn screening. And we uh, include a, a small bottle of buffer that we call NAD fixing buffer. And uh, you, you dry the blood card and you fix the NAD and then sh- drop it in a uh, mail and ship it back to, to us. In, uh, usually within you know, five days, you will get your energy data back um, in your own account, in your own secured account. It's, it's a very simple uh, process. And the performance of the test is really great. The average variation between duplicates is 3.1%. And you know, that's, it's, a, it's, it's a great asset, and, and very easy to do. So um, then on, the, on the second part, how, what are the best ways to uh, boost intracellular NAD? And I'm, I'm sure there are going to be many different ways to do it. And so far, what I know, the best way to do it is through uh, NAD precursors. And there are two major types of NAD precursors. One is called the NR, uh, nicotinamide riboside. And second one is called NMN, nicotinamide mononucleotide. Now it takes two enzymes to make an NAD from NR. So we call NR a two-step NAD precursor. It takes only one enzyme to make an NAD from NMN. So we call it a one-step NAD precursor. So imagine that there, there has been a lot of a debate, even war between the NR camp and the NMN camp. And that's been going on for years, probably over uh, probably a, a, a decade or so, okay? I get asked which one works better. Well, the truth is both precursors actually work pretty well. And if you have to make a a, a distinction, NMN is probably going to work for more people than NR. Why is that so? Because imagine that you have a deficiency in the enzyme that makes NR to NMN, then to NAD, your NR is not going to work because you cannot make an uh, NMN from NR if you are deficient in the enzyme to, uh, to make an NMN from NR, right? And, and if that enzyme is deficient, your NMN will still work because you don't need to make an NMN. You're already giving NMN to, to the customer or to, to the patient. So I think that there's a uh the num the proportion of people who are benefited from nmn should be higher than the percentage of people who can benefit from nr i don't know what's the proportion okay that, that, that's the true answer because i have not done uh extensive study on nr and we have done tests on uh with nmn and thousands and thousands of uh, patients and uh, customers. So we know that NMN is a very good precursor. And also, you know, NMN alone may not be sufficient. And NMN alone may not work for uh, many patients. It does work for for many and it it does not work for uh, you know, Fairly large proportion of people as well, so that's why you want to formulate um, supplements that uh, have NMN and that have other ingredients that would help NMN to function, and also you want to have ingredients that will boost the overall cellular activity and. And that we have actually formulated such a supplement that we call the Vitality Boost and that can uh, help over 95% of people to optimize their NAD. Remember, I call it optimize, not increase, okay? Because there is an optimum window of NAD level that are probably the best. And if you get too much NAD, that may not be good. Well, no, I don't know the absolute upper level of the optimum range, but like everything else, too much is not necessarily good. And this is going to be a debate that will continue on. I think that we have a lot of data um, to have a reasonable guidance on where the optimum range should be, but that will get a, Fine-tune uh, over time and with more data. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's a great rundown, Doctor. Thank you for sharing that. the The way I look at it too is, while it's an amazing compound to be able to optimize NAD levels, it's also the perfect storm combination of environmental stressors and, like you said, maybe two steps removed genetic enzyme deficiencies or weaknesses that you can really not just expect the supplement to be a magic wand you still have to address the things i I always like to use basic economics demand and supply so if you have weaknesses in the ability to supply it and that could be dietary things and and it could be in uh, nutrients and it can be uh, enzymes and so forth and you have an increased demand to use it up, and that could be DNA breakdown and, um, and a whole lot of transport enzymes or other like just basically environmental stressors, then it's like filling up a cup that's got a hole in it, you're, you're never really holding that juice, if you will. And I really like the idea where we do genomic testing to be able to determine what are the weaknesses in your demands? Meaning what requires more NAD uh, sirtuin challenges? You mentioned CD38 and inflammatory things we could get into, but also DNA breakdown and challenges with x-rays and different types of increased demand for for that uh, lifestyle-wise. And then being able to see potentially, well, you know what, you have that gene that doesn't convert the NR into NMN and why would make no sense for you to take NR, you'd just be yelling at the deaf person louder, expecting them to hear you. So I think that that's the great thing about where we're headed is, even though it seems like the sky is falling to a certain extent with EMFs and pollutants and glyphosates and social media and the stressors just are never ending, but then you have a brilliant fellow like yourself that's coming up with ways to support longevity by testing and what you can track, you can manage. And when you can see it in plain white, black and white, you can you can improve it. So I, I appreciate that. So lots of other questions I guess we could talk about in terms of the, the salvage pathway and the de novo pathway. Did we kind of overlap what we talked about with just mentioning the things we did? Or can we boost both pathways and what are those and w- w- kind of thing?
2: Yeah, we we we, we can. So um, I I think that you can for, for the lay audience, um, we you know we don't really have to get into the SOVID pathway, or the Nova pathway kind of confuses people. And I would simply uh, say that they are other types of NAD precursors. I, I, I mean, I think you told me you're a practical guy, and I'm a practical guy. I want to give right. Like building
1: blocks, kind of me. thing. You're talking about building blocks, or yeah,
2: the building blocks. So, so you have the, the basic building blocks for NAD uh, are nicotinamide and uh, nicotinic acid. And some, some people call the two together as niacin, um, but most people use niacin as nicotinic acid. Okay, you, even experts sometimes get, get mis uh, just confused or don't pay attention to it. So I, I that's why I I avoid to use niacin, and um, if I use niacin, I would only use it as nicotinic acid. Okay, so in the only the molecule is basically. The basic element is nicotinamide, and then you have ribose, and you have nucleotide, okay? And we have a lot of ribose in, in our body, and we we to have a lot of nicotinamide, but we don't have enough to make enough NAD. So many people have thought that, well, we, we can uh, take nicotinamide, or nicotinic acid and to boost NAD level. And actually, the number of people can get very high levels of NAD, but the problems only a very small proportion uh, of the people can get their NAD higher using the very basic elements. They don't work as efficiently as NMN, for, for example. But it can, it can work for, for some people. So, and what's in addition, both uh, nicotinic acid and nicotina might have an, a lot of other health benefits um, as well. What's really important is to find out whether the strategies that one chose uh, or chooses is actually working for them. And we'll come back to the testing. Without the testing, you don't know whether it's working for you or not, what's the right type of supplement, or what brand of supplement, and more importantly, how much you should take for you, because we are all built differently. You know, you talk about the genomics, our genes, our DNA are all different, and depending on what genes we have, and what environmental exposures, we have and what dietary exercise and all these, you know, environmental factors and plus our genes that determine how we respond to everything, including how we optimize our NAD. At the end of the day, if you cannot test, you don't know what is working or not. And with some individuals, it's super easy to get their NAD very, very high and even, too high. With other people, it's much more difficult. And so that's why we developed the test to help people identify what works for them, how much they need, what they're taking too much, when they're not taking enough, so we get their NAD optimized. Not just NAD, you know, we do a lot of other tests, but we're talking about NAD now. We get NAD optimize and you can stay near and have a great time?
1: No, again, it's a really great answer because everyone is different. Everyone has different stressors. No two snowflakes are the same, right? I mean, whether it's genetics and or environment, there's no replica of the same factors that will, will support NAD optimization. And so a couple questions I wanted to get into were the the relationship between NAD and biological and chronological age, especially because I know you don't just test NAD intracellular, you test um, DNA methylation, and you test senescent cells. So I guess it's a good transition into what is the relationship between, nad and aging aside from what we've talked about already if you don't have it there you're going to age potentially quicker but how are we using dna methylation and senescent cells as a proxy and a faux pas that i made because i didn't plug my computer in before we started so i'm going to get my computer
0: i'm going to have to edit this out but i'm going to be getting my plug so i apologize One no problem Okay. Great. Thank you. Okay, perfect. Okay, I'll I'll make sure we
1: edit that out. So you sure. can start with that with what, however you want to start. Yeah.
2: All right. So Uh, What was the last question? And maybe-
1: maybe. So so we wanted to know the relationship between biological age and chronological age where NAD fits in and also DNA methylation, senescent cells, what what you do sort of, what's the sort of interrelationship?
2: Sure, Um, so, you know, the chronological age is simple. It's, you know, your your birthday, present day minus your birthday, right? Um, but the chronological age may or may not really reflect how you are doing and what's your biological age. Uh, you can estimate your biological age by many different uh, ways. One of the most popular ways of measuring biological age is to use DNA machination. And The test is available from many different companies, and this test can provide uh, a good estimate on what's one's um, biological age. And we also provide a a biological age test uh, from our company. Um, But I I think. um, it's, um, it's a good information to have and it, it can be used uh, to assess what some longevity uh, therapies uh, are actually providing um, benefits. I, I think it's useful information, how well it can do, I'm, I'm, not, so, I'm not so sure. And I don't know w- whether NAD can actually influence uh, the maturation age. I don't. I don't have the data uh, yet. And it's, it's some it's a question that we uh, wouldn't like to to answer. Um, but they are suggestions that uh, NAD can actually extend your telomere length. And telomeres are the end of the chromosomes, and they got shortened over time. And you can use telomeres uh, to measure biological age as well. And it, there are some evidence that NAD can keep the telomere uh, longer and um, for a longer period of time. So, let's, let, 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 these are still open questions that we needed to. Start. Study, um, when I want to say way, you in know, the scientific community. And um, what we do know is the following. So we, we know NAD is a very good anti-inflammatory compound. We'll discuss that in a little bit. In, chronic inflammation is one of the underlying causes of all chronic diseases. And so keeping inflammation under control a lot of good for one's health, there's no doubt about it. So we know NAD uh, provides a lot of uh, benefit on that. We also know that NAD can help reduce oxidative stress and oxidative stress are basically free radicals that uh, our cells produce as a byproduct uh, as we uh, create uh, energy, you know, create ATP molecules, and that's just part of the what our cells do. But depending on the cellular conditions, uh, some people produce more um, free radicals or waste. Uh, others produce less. Unfortunately, Americans are particularly high in oxidative stress. If you look at the uh, Caucasians in America versus Caucasians in Europe, uh, you know European white and American white, and American whites have much much higher oxidative stress than European white. I mean genetically they should be comparable. It's the lifestyle that you you mentioned. So um, if you look at the uh, African Americans and the level of oxidative stress is even higher if you compare asians like chinese i'm, I'm, I'm chinese and chinese from uh, america have much higher oxidative stress than uh, chinese in, uh, in, in in china so something that we do here the probably the food and are particularly bad uh, to create uh, free radicals and that's really a very important sub-health issues or risk factors for diseases that we as medical professionals don't talk about or at least don't talk about enough and this is something that i'm i'm very interested in again to you know, get the ideas and to attract people's attention, you got to pay attention to this free radicals to the oxidative stress, and um, because it's really bad uh, for our health and um, it damages our DNA, damages our proteins, uh, and it creates all kinds of problems. Some people even go as far as saying that, you know, oxidative stress or mitochondrial dysfunction are the underlying causes of everything. And I think that there are some uh, you know, good reasoning behind that argument. And it is something that we need to pay much more uh, attention. And the third um, uh, benefit that uh, NAD can have is to reduce cellular senescence. Cellular senescence is becoming very popular, not only in the nativity community, but now it's starting to gain popularity in the uh, mainstream or natural medical community because it's involved in so many different diseases. And we actually have shown that senescence actually determines how cervical cancer patients respond to chemotherapy and the survival time is naturally dependent on the cellular senescence level. And then that's just one example. So, um, so these are the three biggest risk factors for health or for, for, for disease. Chronic inflammation, oxidative stress, cellular senescence. These are three biggest, and we got to take care of these three. And all three are related to NAD level. And finally, I want to emphasize, and we we'll have data for it, is your energy level actually influence, or I even go as far as to say, determines how you respond to other therapies, including anti-inflammatory, anti-senescence, and antioxidative treatment. If your energy level is not high or optimized, your response to this uh, treatment is much less than otherwise. So that's why I'm saying to a lot of people, I mean, if, if, if your listeners don't remember anything, just remember the next sentence. NAD optimization is the first and the necessary step towards health and longevity. This is the first thing that you, you really want to stress, because it influences so many different things. And fortunately, we know how to do it now. It's something that we really can do, and we just need to make people aware of it and start uh, taking action. I'm trying to convince the people one by one. I spend a lot of my time to talk to, uh, you know, my my, my customers and, and, and try to help them to uh, figure out how to get in the optimized, And so we can get the full benefit of everything else that they try to do to stay healthy and to stay out of the, uh, diseases.
1: Yeah, no, that's great summary. You know, just if for nothing else, continue to optimize your NAD levels through proper lifestyle and nutrition. And I, I guess what's really amazing with what you're alluding to is now that we have the ability to benchmark and quantify what our actual levels are and we could, we could manage it, we can also, uh, I guess, create protocols before we do certain things like chemotherapy, radiation, and so forth, so that you have better outcomes knowing going into it that you're already constitutionally strong to be able to have a, a more favorable outcome. The other thing I'll say too, because I really do want to introduce you to, we were talking earlier, Bob Miller and helping you maybe do some research studies with the people that have very low NAD levels. And no matter what you do, they don't go up and then being able to see what are these genomic things. But one of the, one of the things he mentioned to me, which I think resonates with what you were saying with the American male versus the European or the Asian male is that genetics aren't different per se, very, very small percentage, but environmentally it is. And I think he kind of gave us not the doomsday, but the real, like, we'll look back at some point in time in our environment and say, what were we thinking? And this is a direct quote in terms of, glyphosates and polyesters and aluminum and just the list goes on and on and on and on in terms of what we're doing to our biochemistry that's depleting our inborn chemistry that ultimately expresses as aging and and sickness and hence that's why we see so many people falling apart with Different exposures to different pathogens and different uh, different um, you know life stressors. And one one thing that I remember you telling me, which I think it's important to talk about when we were at the uh, at the uh, A4M meeting, was that a lot of people don't will probably not want to hear this. Um, and you did mention the 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 const, the I guess the fight between the Hatfields and the McCoys or the NM camp and the NMR camp. But the also the reality is, is that maybe you can comment on how, the quality of the, the nutrient, all things being equal, and how much you actually need, because a lot of people are hopefully trying to get them up, not knowing that the measly amount or the the unstandardized source that they're getting it from is not going to move the needle. So maybe shed light on that from your perspective. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, no I, you, you bring up an uh, extremely important question and we, we actually have some answers. Uh, so if you look at most uh, supplement companies, including some of the very big ones and best known, they don't recommend enough, okay? okay? So uh, based on our extensive data, I recommend 1,000 milligram of NMN or NR to start with, and that, that's a good starting point. Some people are going to need less, other people are going to need more. Uh, but you don't you, you don't you don't want to um, start from too low or too high. Um, the, the middle point is 1,000 milligram daily, uh, you can do it. I do it twice a day um, because I like to boost my energy a, a little more often. So, um, if you want to do it uh, once a day, that's fine, but I recommend it twice a day. So, um, that, w- what's really interesting is there seems to be a threshold that you have to pass to get your NAD up. If you don't pass that threshold, you are going to get no benefit or very little benefit. Unfortunately, a huge proportion of the people who have been taking the product for sometimes years, they get very little or no boost of NAD because the amount of NAD have been taken is below their threshold. And this threshold is not the same for everyone. Okay, it's a variable, and that's, that's, that's why you know we, we have to test. So, and once you pass this threshold that you need, the network actually jumps pretty quickly. And if you below that threshold, you get a very little uh, boost. If you go above this threshold, boom, it goes up. So, let's no Magic solution, unfortunately, you just have to start with the the right dosage, the right product, and and then get a testing very quickly, and to find out where you are, so you can decide on whether you want to increase or decrease the dosage, whether you want to switch uh, different brands or different types of supplement or different types of treatment to get your, level to where well you want and that, that, that's you know basically what you needed to do so i have one i have one customer i'm not going to say his name obviously he started from 100 milligram a day he did so many tests with me as i said why you're spending all this money i mean he went up from you know 100 milligram and then uh, he increased by 100 milligrams every time, and then he, do, he does the test. And I said, you 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 need to you need really need to push it up. He had to go up to 1500 milligrams a day, and he got his level to over 90 micromole. And then I told him to reduce it a little bit. Now he's uh, around the 70. We just finished his test yesterday. He's at 72 now, perfect. Uh, perfect spot. So, um, I think if he listened to me, he would have have it optimized with the two tests and um, within, you know, uh, four to eight weeks. Another misconception is people think that it takes a long, long time to get it up. No, it's not true. You only need two to four weeks. Uh, Many people only after a few days your only level is already high. So most of the people will reach a very high level after two weeks, um, by, by four weeks, almost everyone reaches the peak. So that's why I, I recommend retesting between two and four weeks. If, right. you, if you don't have your level up by two weeks, forget about it, that the strategy is not working for you.
1: You know, the analogy I like, and you said it earlier, we're we're simple guys, we we don't want to go into the weeds, per se, we just want to know what we need to do to, to boost the levels. And the analogy I would use is, I don't get that I haven't paid my, well, now they're being paid for, but student loans is a bad example. But I don't get why I'm not making a dent in my student loans, because you're only making interest payments. That's why. And until you actually cut into the deficit and that's that progressive overload, I'm trained in exercise physiology. And if you do exercises that don't stimulate any type of response, it's, it's a no response. If you do a little bit more than what you need, it's going to be a progressive overload. If you do a lot more than what you need that difference is going to be pain. And I think you want to just not so much pain with NAD, but you want to do a little bit more than what you need. And then that's also pointing to the idea of why American men would have lower levels or more oxidative stress and addressing your lifestyle factors and knowing what uh, exposures and what chemicals and what stressors and especially we didn't get into, we'll do it for part two, we'll leave a little cliffhanger is in terms of one of the major ways that uh, NAD gets depleted is through our nutrient sensing pathways. And I think the world is catching up on the obesity rates to Americans, if you look at all the different countries now. So I don't know if we share the, the prize in that anymore. But maybe we can use that as a segue for our next time that we talk if you're willing to do in terms of, well, how do, what's time-restricted eating? What's the relationship to uh, autophagy and to um, eating lots of protein and mTOR? What does that have to do with anything? And what does sirtuins have to do with, with this so that we can maybe go a little bit deeper for our other people? But the bottom line is get tested and know what your levels are so that you can determine and then embark on a on a, a, a prerequisite and building blocks and lifestyle recommendations to boost it and then get your levels up. And what I really like about your company is, is that you have on your website, and we'll give links up to the podcast when we, when we publish this, is you have a, if we don't boost your levels, we will work hand in hand with you to be able to troubleshoot why. So um, what I do is I always ask a question to my guests before we leave is I say, hey, knowing what you know now and you're a smart guy and I'm sure you've always been a smart guy, but you may have not had all this information when you were bright eyed and bushy tailed, what would you have told the younger version of yourself that would have helped you or accelerated your health or just your longevity at an earlier age if you would have known what you know now? What would you have told yourself back then?
2: Well, very, very uh, good point. So, um, one surprise to me was we, we saw a very sharp and deep decline, decline of NAD in many people. In their late 20s. And that was totally shocked. So the point is, you want to start managing your health as early as possible. You know, the, the 20, people in their 20s and 30s, I, I used to be there, and they, they think they are inconvincible. No, that's not, not totally true. And if you keep yourself up and keep yourself healthy, you are going to stay healthy and for a long, long time. But if you don't uh, you, don't pay attention uh, to your health uh, in your younger ages, you are going to pay your dues uh, when you reach uh, the, the uh, older age. And no, it's never too early to start paying attention to your health.
1: Yeah. That's a really great point, because, you know, you're seeing, I think, for the first time in, in decades, the, the lifespan or the the age range is like life expectancy is going down, I believe. Uh, and also, too, type 2 diabetes is no longer called adult onset diabetes. And you're seeing so much more metabolic chaos, if you will, with these kids nowadays and sleeping with their phone underneath their pillow and Wi-Fi and Amazon Prime and the refrigerator opened at 2 a.m. in the morning and all of these different things that really pull on the purse strings of their longevity and really deplete their NAD. It'd be interesting to be able to do a a test of 20-year-olds NAD in the 1900s, 20-year-olds in the 1920s, and then see The NAD levels may be incline and then decline. I don't think we'll be able to do that. But listen, I appreciate your time. Um, If you have any other questions or points you want to bring in now, otherwise, I would love to be able to. Maybe schedule a part two, and then I'm really, really excited to start getting my own NAD levels because I want to be in have integrity with what I do because mine were super low, and I'm waiting for my next uh, my next pure uh, product to come in to be able to boost them and um, to be able to offer testing to people, not just the uh, the the NA, intracellular NAD, but also looking at some of these other signs of of aging and inflammatory weaknesses that need to be addressed. And I'm just really grateful for smart guys like you that offer amazing products and services and information to people that are searching for it. So thank you so much for what you do.
2: Thank you very much. It has been um, my pleasure to uh, talk to you this afternoon. And your product will arrive next Monday, and I look forward to uh, getting your uh, NAD optimized. I think you are gonna feel amazing once you get it optimized.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. And I'll and I'll talk to you on our next show.
2: Great, thanks
0: hey thanks for tuning in to today's episode of your adrenal fix podcast where our goal is really to teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their energy back quickly and if you happen to be suffering with your own exhaustion and fatigue based problems and you're not getting answers and you're frustrated and you're concerned and you really want to get back to the things that you're not able to do then maybe it's time for you and i to book a discovery call If that makes sense to you, or what we talked about makes sense to you, then this is an opportunity for you and I to troubleshoot and figure out what's going on in your body, what's not working, what have you tried, how's it impacting you. Most importantly, figure out where you wanna go with your health and why you're not able to bridge that gap. And if I feel I can help you and all the things that you need to be doing, i can recommend to you i'll let you know and if i don't know i'll tell you that too but my goal is for you to leave this call with a step-by-step game plan to learn how to bridge that gap and get your life back quickly if i feel i can help you i'll tell you what that will look like to work together however there's no obligation to do any further work and there's no charge for the call whatsoever it's just really a one-on-one time for you and my team member or myself to get true Value out of what's not working with your health and what are you missing in order for you to make that next step if that makes a lot of sense to you then go ahead and go to www.adrenalfatigueworkshop.com all one word adrenalfatigueworkshop.com forward slash apply now spacing is limited. And it's a first-come, first-served first basis. And you have to be willing to, to make that next step to get your health back or at least be serious about it if we feel we can help each other. Just go to www.adrenalfatigueworkshop.com forward slash apply. And I look forward to giving you value and getting you your health back.